Welcome into episode 213 of the Mondrummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Sweetwater. From now until October 16th, Sweetwater is running a limited time uh, bundle saving offer where you can get some of the most popular products that they they offer for podcasting, vlogging, blogging. They also have a one specifically designed for drummers. So it's called the Content Creator Sales Event. Again, that goes from now until October 16th. Just go to sweetwater.com slash shop slash content hyphen creator hyphen sales hyphen event hyphen 2019 it'll be easier if you just go to sweetwater.com and just look for the link for content creator sales event check out the um if you dig in you'll see there's some you know there's you can get some microphones and some bluetooth uh mics headphones all, all sorts of tools for creating digital content but if you scroll down you will find they have special bundles. There's a drummer content creator pack. One of them is um, you could save up to about $291, which is a full-scale production studio with a PreSonus interface, full sets of mics and cables and stands and headphones, camera, all everything you need. That's at a low price of $177 a month for two years, which is a total of about uh, $4,300 bucks which is a great deal for all of that or there's a uh, more compact setup that is was designed in, in collaboration with casey cooper which is a focus right casey cooper content creator drum recording pack that comes with a focus right scarlet interface full set of shore pga mics a gopro camera um, stands a zoom field recorder and a shotgun mic some monitors headphones cables everything you need and that is for $1,999 again a great price for all that gear so go to the uh, drummer content creator pack link on Sweetwater site or just go to their content creator sales event and you can get you know one-off more one-off items microphones and other peripherals um, great deals so check it out now between now and October 16th at sweetwater.com this episode is also brought to you by Dream Symbols. Dream will be back at the Percussive Arts Society International Convention this November. That is November 14, 15, 16. Um, they will be in Exhibit Hall. We are going to be coordinating an event for, for a hang with me and the guys at Dream and their artists at some point in the weekend. But they're also sponsoring their uh, clinician, Scott Pellegrom, who's going to be presenting on Thursday, November 14th at 11 a.m. So if you're coming to PASIC, make sure you get there early. Check out Scott's Clinic. Again, that's Thursday, November 14th at 11 a.m. And then we're going to do a meetly following the event at the Dream Booth. Uh, Scott's going to be hanging out there for a meet and greet. So you can check out some of the symbols. You can ask him some follow-up questions that he might have not answered in the clinic. Um, so, yeah, and hopefully I'll be there as well. And the clinic is dubbed Beyond the Box Drumming. So it's the first line of the description. Scott has been dubbed the mad scientist and chemist of drumming, inspiring musicians all over the world. So if you haven't uh, checked out Scott Pellegrom yet, definitely give him a follow on social media. Check out some YouTube clips. He's a monster, super creative, very adventurous, always fun and entertaining. It'll certainly kick off PASIC on an energetic and inspired step. So again, that is Thursday, November 14th at 11 a.m. in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, make sure you're there and we'll uh, see you at the show and let's get this show going. That was a mysterious intro beat that I had no date, no information on. So whoever sent that, wait, what? Very cool, but you didn't give us any any backstory. <laughs> maybe that was maybe that was planned. Maybe like, I almost I don't, don't even want to say the name of the track, but I'll tell you anyway. It was called "Take Molly Every Day." <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, then there's probably a good reason why the guy forgot to put in his own name. Yeah, right. Yeah, before you take, take Molly the Molly, send us what you were doing. It, was <laughs> yeah. that real drums? Was it programmed? I don't know, but it was cool. It's a nice soundtrack. It's That's probably awesome. still going in the background right now as we're talking. Yeah, I can hear it. It's amazing. I love this. <laughs> this is what I, I, I listen to Take Molly every day while I'm drinking my green tea. So. <laughs> By the way, speaking of green tea, we haven't talked about this, but I remember yeah. for a while you were thinking about getting off coffee. Yep, yep, yep. 
Yeah, I'm assuming you're still on the coffee. I am. Yep. Okay. Yep. Now, and and so is 98 percent of the world. So mm. cool. I'm working with a I don't mean a tea guy, and we are creating a drummer's tea. What? And yeah, and and we've I'm on batch three now that he's been creating for me. So this is a guy that sources tea from India, China, Japan. Okay. And he has his own blends. Uh, he's local here in Folsom, and I talked to him at a kind of a business, a startup business thing uh, for Folsom. And we were talking and I said, you know, I've always wanted to create a tea that could help people segue from coffee into green tea. Mm, Okay. And then we started talking about it and he said, well, okay, so you're a drummer. Would this be a drumming thing? I'm like, no, I think it's a creative thing. Like any creative could, I would want them to, this would be the first thing they'd drink in the morning. So we started researching what besides green tea leaves could we put in here to spark creativity? Uh, And one of the... (laughs) <laughs> you moron <laughs> no there's no thc oil in my tea I mean, God, no duh. <laughs> no uh a different green leafy substance called rosemary was one of the big it was really? actually the m- most creative herb and then we went down um different berries and which berries spark creativity and all of this stuff and so it's been really fun so every couple days he'll drop off a couple dime bags of the good (laughs) and uh but the worst part was when he gave me the first one i was driving through an intersection and he was walking through the crosswalk and he's like mike i got your tea but he just handed me a dime bag of green leaves and i was like don't hand this to me on the street in my car (laughs) and he runs a local church around here i'm like pastor we can't have you be seen doing this so anyways um, i'll let everybody know but we had the campers try it out at this last camp and I have it was, the uh, I have the what do you call this thing that you gave me? Tea infuser. Tea infuser. It, it's got some. It dust looks on brand it. new, bro. <laughs> it's got that some looks dust. brand new. You have never used that. <laughs> Let me blow the dust off. No, I did use. I used up all the tea that you sent me, and then that's where it stopped. I think my problem is I don't like the ritual of making tea. Yeah, I want to just I can, pour I can a glass and drink it. I don't want to like have to make anything the drink yeah that's my problem i can see that i think i mean there's i'll be totally honest my morning tea ritual is bagged tea so it's not loose leaf okay. it's like i just i don't want to do the tea infuser and then rinse out the leaves and go through that whole thing so my morning tea is usually just maybe some oolong or something and then uh spaven got me all hooked on the oat milk so i'll do a little oolong tea and then i'll pour in a little bit of oat milk the do mess me up i don't, I don't even want to talk about put, how do you milk an oat <laughs> oats oats have teats <laughs> you'll have to cut that out um no you, uh, i think you just soak the oats <laughs> um but <laughs> dude i okay anyways thanks so much for checking out the modern drummer oh, podcast that was God. our last episode <laughs> so anyways i'm working on some teas working on some teas working on some stuff for the uk drum show 2020 i'm excited about that that's crazy they booked that already that just happened. Yeah, well, like, they're starting to. Yeah, so they're starting to book it. Um, I talked to Neil, who organizes it. We talked yesterday about some things that I can't quite mention yet, but I can tell you that 2020 is going to be a very, very, I wouldn't say a different year. You'll still get everything you've always loved about the UK Drum Show, but they, Neil's working very hard, and the team at the UK Drum Show is working very hard to improve the show and make it a more enriching experience for you, and I will be involved in that. Is um, that in and September? So will, uh, yeah. That's when it was this year, at least. It was like mid-September. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Of course, bro. You're I know. just like, yeah, I'm in, and you don't know when it is. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, well, uh, I did the same thing I always do. I said, that sounds amazing to me, so you're going to want to email Amber at MikesLessons.com, <laughs> right. and then it's official. But yeah, so we're, we're Amber and I are waiting to book our 2020 camps based around that, and then we also have some news coming up with 21 Drums that usually happens in August. We'll see if that's when it still happens as well, but that'll be happening again this year, and so lots of stuff going on. Nope. Also, gear stuff that we have to talk about eventually, not yet. Not yet, huh? But soon, not yet, but soon, <laughs> and... Uh, he, man, it was a it was a crazy day for me yesterday. It was just I was on the phone from morning till night, but now wait a minute, we should talk drums. You, what? Had, you had teased this white marine pearl kit, and we have yet to see it, right? Ooh, good call. You know who you're going to see play it before me? No, someone whose name rhymes with Park Kuliana. <laughs> He's playing your kit. Well, I think we're going to do the video content together for the snare. Ah, cool. Because he he was involved in the very, very beginnings five years ago when we started working on this thing. 
And the whole point of this snare drum, the Brooklyn Standard, is to have a very versatile snare drum. So now that he's in L.A., I'm going to shoot everything in L.A. In LA anyways. I was like, why don't, why don't you crank the hell out of it and go full jazz, and then I'll do what I do in my medium tuning, and then maybe Mark can even do some beat music stuff, that style of drumming with it dropped really low. So we're going to do the video together. Nice. And we want to make sure that everyone knows this. Even though I had a hand in making this, this isn't really a signature product. This is a snare drum that just needed to be in the Gretsch lineup. So I figured the more drummers I can get involved with it, you know, I, I told my rep, hey man, send one out to Jason McGrewer. Like, send one out to the lads. Let's yeah. get this thing going. So yeah, so, um, so anyway, so that kit was made specifically for this video shoot and for everything else. So that'll be happening in December. Nice. And you'll get to see the White Marine Pearl kit. All right, well, let's talk about hand and foot rolls, shall we? Yeah, because they're hard to do if you don't have a, a vintage White Marine Pearl kit. They're yeah. really hard to do. Does Yoast play a White Marine Pearl kit? No, he doesn't have a White Marine Pearl kit. Not so Yoast somehow has been making things work without one of those kits. Um, <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but By the way, I it. think Yoast sound, I mean, Yoast on a sonar drum kit is like, he, he should be Yoast sonar. <laughs> you know, he's sonar, he, like it's the perfect mix of, yeah. of his approach to drumming, and it's super clean. And so precise, clean, and the drums are super clean and precise. It's it's a. Perfect this should match. be considered the clarity episode because we're talking about Yos, and then we're talking about Gavin Harrison. Right? Yeah, that's true. And yeah. they're both guys that like I. Th- the one thing that I would really enjoy if I was say a teenager just started playing, but I was getting into some advanced drumming, is I believe that Yost and Gavin have so much clarity to their playing. You could sit down and figure this stuff out. Yeah, because you can hear every note they play flawlessly. Yeah, yeah we should have called this the high and tight episode. <laughs> <laughs> high and tight with Yost and Gavin. That's their podcast, right? <laughs> high and tight with Yost and Gavin. Oh, okay, so let's get into what Yost is talking about yeah. in this educational article. Yost is talking about what he calls hand and foot rolls. You and I would probably just describe it as single strokes between one of your hands and one of, and most likely your right foot or your dominant foot. Yeah such an underrated skill set and it's usually about 15 years deep into your drumming journey that someone says can you do a single stroke roll between your hand and your foot and you're like of course i can play rush and then you do this (laughs) and your whole life falls apart and you can't get above 70 bpm without flamming and it almost is always like a circus trick like yeah i can do that like no actual context for it like okay you can do that but that's not making it. There's only sense. a few people that can use that. Right. And use, I mean, Vinny with the stare down while pushing his glasses up with his left hand and then rolling with his right and his foot during the, it, that was pretty badass. That was amazing. Um, so let's just start talking about what Yost is doing here. So the first thing he does, I think, is really smart, which is he gives you the hand part by itself. So your right hand is going to be playing one and a two, three and a four. One and a two, three and a four. And then without changing that in any way, you're going to add bass drum in between all of those notes that you just played with your hand. So then you'll have one and a one and a two, three and a three and a four. So it's one and a two, three and a four, one and a one and a two, three and a three and a four. Just that alone, heads up, that might take you six months to get that clean and fast. That is a biscuit of an exercise. It's a weird one because if you think about a lot of the grooves we play, we probably play hand and foot stuff, but it's between like the hi-hat and the bass drum or the ride cymbal and the bass drum. It's something about when you put it on a floor tom, the texture, the sound of it all of a sudden. Okay, so that's a really good point. When I started getting into this stuff, I think maybe, obviously I saw Vinny do it in the Buddy Rich Memorial Scholarship that was the first time I thought like, oh, what a cool thing. I'll go give that a whirl. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, that's why is that's why it's Vince Caliota. <laughs> um, then I think probably Thomas Lang's first DVD, the um, Creative Control Volume 1. Yeah. That was the first time that – because he really said it. I was like, this is my warm-up. And he did it, and I thought, wow. And he did it. I, the one thing that I still think to this day is so brilliant – is that Thomas did everything on a pad kit first and then went to the kit. And they mm. A-beat pad. And they showed the clarity. I mean, clarity on a pad kit is way, it's way more staccato than a drum set. Yeah. So I think it's harder on the pad kit. But he did that. So that's when I started working on it. It, To be totally honest, it took me probably about two years to get a nice single stroke roll between my hand and my foot. 
And this is at a time where I already had hand speed and foot speed. And then the students started asking, why am I doing this? And it took me a while to figure out the answer. And what I realized was what you just said. When you play a groove that has maybe two in-between kicks, boom, that thing is as sloppy as it was when you just played it on your floor, Tom, but you didn't have anything to really A-B it against, so you thought you were fine. And cleaning that up, cleaning this skill set up, will clean up all of your grooves. I think we should listen to one of... Ghost like combinations things now, so we can we can sure. we can hear what he's doing. So he's mixing uh, the pattern right, left, right, left, left kick with the single stroke roll between the floor time and the bass drum. So he created a, a really pretty wicked two bar fill. Um, so we've got audio of him actually playing it. This is not programmed, even though he sounds like a machine. <laughs> this is Yost playing that pattern. So it's it's that first sticking, right, left, right, left, left kick, followed by two groups of six as singles and then so you hear it, he cycles that the, that three beat pattern well, anyway let's just all at his clarity for a minute So one thing that Yost always does in his examples, also we should mention this is all from his fill book. So it's just Yost Nichols fill book. This is number 12, chapter nine, hand and foot roll. One thing that he does a lot is he does a lot of two bar phrasing Mm -hmm. and going over the bar line, stuff like that. He does, he extends the phrase, um, in this case, uh, was this number, what number was this? Number six in the article. If you're looking at the the article, right? So he's got that, feeling that two bar phrase and the accents are going in places where you think like, Oh, I don't know where we are anymore. Mm -hmm. Are we still in four, four? And he's kind of tricking your ear. And then he pays the whole thing off with the crash on the one. Cause he stops the whole thing with that flam on four. And it's just, it's, it's so funny that that's like a thing of Yoast when he plays, he puts these little phrases in and he'll go, okay, the phrase is this long and I'm going to have it go over the bar line. Really, really cool stuff. I think it's um, a good strategy that not enough, enough of us as educators do. Like you teach a student a pattern or a fill or a lick and we always put it in four, four and then maybe right. two bars of four, four. And we kind of forget the next step would be to just throw it in at will, which you can't, you can't just say now just play it at will. Maybe put in a three beat phrasing, put in a five beat phrasing. Like that yeah. step, I think a lot of us as teachers we forget. Well, That's when it becomes music and it becomes a flow, and you're not playing this block of here's one measure of a fill anymore. That's yeah, a hard transition. Yeah, and I think getting and and that can be done with groupings. You know, getting people used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about this later in the thing that you have for our question and answer section, but getting people used to nine sixteenth note triplets so that it has the downbeat and then the upbeat. Just that feel alone. The one thing I want to say is on number six, this is something that a lot of people don't realize they already have the skill to do. A lot of people work on their fives, right, left, right, left, left, right, left, right, left, left, and they own the heck out of that. And they don't realize if you just put a bass drum at the end of that five, it's now an awesome triplet fill. Or yeah, triplet it concept. really flows. That's a good one that just kind of flows. Totally. And you can do what he did, which is accent the first three notes. Da, 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 ba, ba, da, da, da. And that, to me, I always call that the Harley fill because it sounds like a Harley Davidson. Going, <laughs> rum, 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 rum. Uh, so, yeah, so really cool stuff with that. But the, still, the, it comes down to that clarity. If you don't have the clarity to play this stuff, mm-hmm. Just right kick, right kick, or left kick, left kick. I mean, that in itself, that's what I call non-creative practice. I sit down, 
And I go, all right, singles, hand and foot, put on my favorite song. Let's just get let's get it over with. Right. But you got to clean that thing up. So the the next thing that I would do with number six, which is the example we just played, would be to just add an extra left left kick in there, and just kind of mess with the phrasing that way. Like, what does an extra eighth note of that end up doing to it? Like that would be the you know, I learned example six. Cool, I can hear this three-quarter note grouping resolving on beat four in the second bar. Now, what if I just start throwing in a left-left kick after one of those patterns, and then what does it do? That would be how I would then force myself yeah. to learn all kinds of So that of way you'd get that reasons. upbeat feel, too. You yeah. have one into one into two into two into three into three, and then, and then you're on that upbeat. It's like it's like breaking it down into little chunks, and that's what he that's what Yost does in the final examples, where he he's now taking a six note grouping, which is a single stroke between a floor tom and a bass drum, and then a three note grouping, which is a right left kick. So he even like shrunk the vocabulary down further. In the last example, if we're going to listen to it now, it sounds really kind of sophisticated and hip and and creative, but really he's just playing a three followed by a six, a three followed by a six, and just cycling that. So you want to check that right. out now? Yeah. This is example eight from the article. I mean, it's it's so clean, but the thing is, you guys are hearing it right now. Mike and I are watching it and hearing it, and he's not even moving. Like he's he's really like, "Are we done yet? Are we breaking for lunch?" It's a hundred. I would have been like, uh, the SQ2 "Take forty. <laughs> it's a hundred. Take forty-five. You need to get yourself an SQ two kid if you want to sound like your. That's Nicole. what it is. That's all. Yeah, that totally. Matters. <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. Uh, so the other thing that I mean, that's another great example of that two bar phrase and having yep. a grouping that goes over the bar line because when he starts, you know where everything, by the way, there's still, a, I mean, you guys heard it. There's a metronome going and you still go, oh, I don't know where one is, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he does. He's got that thing locked in, man. Um, and I think that's what makes Yost's playing so fun to listen to is his internal pulse is so rock solid because of this type of practice that as he's going over the bar line, he knows where this all resolves. Yeah, he was a big inspiration for me, like a, a goal. Like if I can control subdivisions like Yost, then then I'm getting yeah. just getting somewhere. He's kind of the pinnacle. Him and Gavin, there's a few other people, but when I hear him play, it's like, dang, he is not flubbing a single subdivision ever. It's crazy. I can't even imagine what it's like to be in Yondele with him on the other instruments, just knowing like I can do anything I want because my drummer is so rock solid. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, pretty amazing stuff. So definitely check out Yost Nichols' article. Uh, it is in the current issue of Modern Drummer Magazine, and it's just called Hand and Foot Rolls. It's in the Rock and Jazz Clinic section, and there's tons of transcription there for you guys to dig into and to have fun with. And if you guys ever work on any of this stuff and you get it down, please film yourself and tag the podcast on Instagram. Just, what is it, at MD podcast or at Modern Drummer podcast? You could do hashtag Modern Drummer podcast or at Modern Drummer. I think it's Modern underscore Drummer is the the handle for the yeah. magazine. Or tag Mike and I. Like we would love to see you guys play this stuff because uh, these are the articles that Mike and I just obsessed over when we were kids reading this stuff. I'm like, okay, now I know how to play Rosanna. That Modern Drummer <laughs> said this is how it's done. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Uh, all right, everybody. Now what are we getting into, buddy? Well, we've got. I guess the the More other clarity. the other king of precision and and touch Holy and flow. Heck. This is Gavin Harrison. We did a feature with him also in this issue.
long he's been in King Crimson at this point. I feel like it's a new project, but he's he's five years deep into being in King wow. Crimson. But you know, also appearing on other projects, this band called Pineapple Thief, which he there's a new record out. So we've got some audio. I believe Vic Firth posted it. Um, yeah, it's him playing. It might be from the previous Pineapple Thief record, but that's on YouTube if you look at the Vic Firth page. And there's just great footage of of Gavin playing. So we'll drop that in in a minute. Um, but yeah, Gavin Harrison. First thing I want to say is that dude plays with massive sticks. Have you ever tried his signature sticks? No. They are like drum core sticks. Really? It's insane. And then he was like, you know what? It might add a little weight if you dip them in rubber. Yeah. Right. Can, you, can you do that? Because <laughs> I, need, I need a little more smack. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he he's a He's one of those guys that drummers love gavin harrison yeah i mean it it seems like a lot of drummers that are just hitting that advanced period in their career so they're just finding out about the the weckles the vinnies dennis chambers and then they find out about gavin they always come up to me like what do you think about gavin harrison like well i i don't i don't know i don't think about him often um, but (laughs) i think think he's amazing um but I, i i was watching him play this um pineapple thief song and I, I was taken back to what I originally fell in love with Neil Peart for, what I fell in love with Tim Alexander for, mm. and what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, which is I can hear everything he's doing. Yeah, it doesn't matter that I can't perfect. do it. Yeah. I can hear it. I can pick it apart and go, okay, let me just put that. That is what I really enjoyed when I was learning this instrument. You know, you have what your private teachers working or making you work on, and that stuff feels like homework, but then you discover a song and you can hear the drums in the song and you can hear the parts. And it's so much fun to pick this stuff apart. And his drumming is just flawless. Even towards the end when he's soloing, mm. yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that he could transcribe all that for me in a second. Yeah. He knows exactly what he's doing. He talks a lot about like not maxing out your, he calls it CPU, your mental space when you're playing. Yeah. And you can kind of feel that, that that's, he operates at maybe Fifty percent CPU at all times. Even when he's playing the most insane stuff, it just feels like this dude could push it so much harder if he wanted to. Right. But he's just he's so in control. In control. Yep. Yeah, it's amazing. What were the books that he put out back in the day? Rhythmic perspectives. Oh, yeah. Rhythmic illusions. Yeah. Rhythmic illusion or audio. Yeah. Um, but they were really cool because they had here is the transcription of what you're going to play. And then there'd be this little ear next to the next thing of notation that says, this is what the audience thinks you're playing. Yeah, right, right. So Rhythmic Illusions, I think. Yeah. And it was, it was such a cool, cool way to look at modulations and displacements and everything that we kind of go, okay, we know what this stuff is, but nobody's written a book on it. Well, he did. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, it's and like, it was it's perfect. I don't think I ever got through both of them, but I practiced the heck out of them. And the big thing I took away from that was like he's basically superimposing a pulse over different, you know, a, a pulse that has a different subdivision or something. Like that was what I took away from it. Like if you're going to play in four four, and if you accent eighth note triplets every other one, that gives you a different feel. Like right. all the intricacies of the patterns. I'm like, okay, that I need to work that out. But the concept is play a pulse in a different subdivision to create this alternate time signature yeah and once you have that pulse then the the next step for all of us and is is getting a backbeat in right in that new pulse and that's what tricks everyone's ear you yeah. know and um because once we have one e and a two e and a three as soon as i stop counting well these could be anything so yeah, chord right. notes one two three four eight two and that's but the cool thing is the way that Gavin does it. The second you recognize that it's happening, it already happened. It's over. Yeah, right. He doesn't stay there and be like, "Does everyone have it now? You guys got it worked out? Okay, cool." B section. I mean, he, it's just there and it's gone. Very cool yeah. stuff. Do you want to give him a listen? Yeah, let's uh, let's grab one of these tunes. Let's do which one? White mist. White mist. And now you realize 
Okay, so that's what I was talking about. The clarity is shocking. You can hear every note, no matter how dense. The thing is, like, if I start ripping and the subdivision gets going up into the 30-second notes, it kind of sounds like a barrage of notes. I can still hear everything he's playing. Yeah, yeah. Again, Sonar SQ2, that's all you need. <laughs> yeah, I don't Sonar think he's SQ2. ever even... Pra- I don't even know if he's a drummer. I think he just bought an <laughs> SQ2 off the SQ2 street. Okay, and so some giant sticks. <laughs> yes. Help me out with this. The rims on that SQ2. Yes, S-hoops. What is that for? Is that just to save your sticks, or is there any sound benefit to that? They are... I've seen them on snares. I'd never seen anyone put them on their toms. Yeah, they are, from all my testing with them, they kind of give you a... Th- thicker attack and they control overtones a little bit so it's almost like a triple flange that's that's moonlighting as a die cast it gives you that control and a little bit more smack but it's still a triple flange it's still open and and doesn't crush your you know your hands when you play but and do you think the other triple flange hoops talk to the s hoops and are like what are you guys doing hanging out with the die cast (laughs) you're not die cast yeah i mean yeah they're they're switzerland (laughs) yeah okay so but so the, are those a Sonar product or have other no, companies that's, made that's those? its own thing. Uh, S-Hoops, I believe it's... it's oh, S-Hoops by, is the company. Yeah, Big Bang Distribution okay. is one of their products. Gotcha. They're really cool. They're really nice on a snare drum. And th- it's an interesting rim shot feel because it's almost flat. So it's like a... Yeah, it, I have a Doc Sweeney feel. snare that has those on it. Yeah. Um, and I just never knew what the purpose was for other than saving your sticks. But I'd never seen anybody use them on the toms. And I think... He's got it on his 8 and his 10, but maybe not his 12. I can't tell from he this angle. The whole or kit, maybe but, he has it on the whole kit. But I noticed yeah. he doesn't have any gels or anything, and he used to, at least from what I remember, he had mood gels and stuff on his tom. So I think it's getting rid of that need to get rid of any got kind it. of little bits of tone. But yeah, not, and you can you tell. Know, I mean, his it. drum set has so much attack. And even just his choice of sizes, tuning, splashes, china splashes. I mean, everything is built for clarity. So it's pretty cool. Um, So between the pineapple thief and porcupine tree, he digs thorny things. I get it. I get it. So I guess King Crimson would fall into that category. Yes, yes, absolutely. They have, um, I mean, there's three drummers if you're not familiar with what King Crimson is doing. And, And currently it is Pat Mastelotto, who's been involved with the band forever, um, Gavin's been there for five years, and then they recently added Jeremy Stacy. So he's took over the middle seat for Bill Rieflin. Uh, so it's an interesting. It's interesting to see a band with three drum sets in the front of the stage. That's just odd. Yeah, yeah. I think we call those um, festivals, drum yeah, festivals. drum festivals. And I think their front of house guy must be going crazy. Oh my god! So many channels. I, I'm sure he probably looks at me and Carter and goes, "Like, can you guys just do that? Can you just do overhead and kick?" I mean, seriously. So much easier. They could. So much easier. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. Well, everyone, check out. I mean, if you haven't checked out Gavin yet, please do, because he's he's just an incredible drummer. He's been a a mainstay in the industry for quite a while. I remember seeing him on an old Modern Drummer Festival, and that was my first time seeing him play. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, damn. That dude can play. Yeah, and and Um, again, I can attest, standing behind him during sound check, the sound that we hear on these recordings is a sound that he produces with his hands, feet, and sticks. It is all natural. It's pretty crazy. Absolutely amazing. All right, now it is time for a word from our sponsors. Yeah, just a reminder, this episode is sponsored by Dream, and if you're planning on coming to PASIC in November, or if you're wondering if you should decide to go to PASIC in November, um, you should consider hanging out with Scott Pellegrom. He'll be giving a clinic on Thursday, November 14th, um, from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. That is uh, That will kick off the show on a pretty exciting, energetic, creative foot. Um, if you haven't checked out Scott's playing, uh, go online and, and search Scott Pellegrim right now, and you're going to find tons of really crazy, out-of-the-box thinking, uh, really adventurous, inspiring drumming. So again, he's going to be there. The guys, All the guys from Dream are going to be there. They're going to have an exhibit there. Um, we're trying to coordinate another hang at their booth. We might do a giveaway or something, so stay tuned for more info on that. But uh, most importantly, make sure you go to PASIC and it's in Indianapolis again. Again, the date is November 14th for Scott Pellegrum's clinic. That's at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. And then he's going to do a meet and greet immediately following that around 1230 at the Dream Booth. That's going to be tons of fun. Scott is super, super creative. He's super inspiring just to see him do, you know, no holds barred, go for 
madness on the drum kit. It's uh, always fun. So that's, again, November 14th, 11 a.m., Scott Pellegrom Clinic, sponsored by Dream Symbols. And then our other sponsor is uh, Sweetwater, and they have a special offer going from now until the 16th of October that they're calling the Content Creator Sales Event. So if you go to sweetwater.com, you'll find a link for it, um, and they've got tons of deals on headphones and Bluetooth mics and uh, camera mics, uh, pop filters, cabling, uh, full-on systems, podcasting setups. Um, there's a really cool Rode Roadcaster Pro Complete Bundle that looks really cool if you're looking to do podcasting where you don't need to have a laptop or a computer and you want to do minimal post-production. It's kind of an all-one-stop-in-the-box solution. Um, that's the Rode Roadcaster Pro Complete Podcasting Bundle. And they have a couple packages that are set up um, that are kind of pre-picked for drummers. Um, if you go down, scroll down on the page, you'll see there's a content bundle they call Drummer Content Creator Pack, which are full audio interface setups with mics and cables and stands and headphones and monitors and GoPro and you know pretty much everything you can need. There's there's the super high-end version, the pre-Sonus Drum Recording Content Creator Pack, and then there's the mid-priced version, the Focusrite Casey Cooper Content Creator Drum Recording Pack. Um, those are full, complete solutions for getting a home studio set up with audio and video as well. They also have um, some great uh, tutorials on how to how to start a podcast, the best USB mics for podcasting, must-have gear for YouTubers, um, all kinds of stuff. So go to Sweetwater.com, look for the content creator sales event, uh, get yourself some gear. All right, everybody. So it is time to dig into some candy. So we are checking out some really cool stuff by Creative Percussion. I think that stackers have been kind of the rage for a while and people are always trying to find new ways to make them nastier and nastier and damn they went nasty on this one yeah so this is called the hex stack and it is um, rather than what everyone currently does which is stack little chinas and splashes and stuff together these are stainless steel hexagons that have been hammered and just torched and made super funky they come in a several different sizes but we got a seven inch version so it's three metal plates that have been kind of hammered and torched and they sort of fit together but they sort of don't so they they're always a bit of trashy rattle purposely yeah Yeah. purposefully um so that is you know so we're going to hear that i'm playing that in this example where like the ride symbol would be but then they also have this this interesting product called the groove changer which is a it's a metal ring with some key hoops kind of attached to it and then chains and stuff that dangle around it. So it kind of gives you a fabricated version of what a lot of people are doing, which is kind of just throwing chains and bells and stuff on their snare drum. So awesome. the first clip, um, you're going to hear both. So I'm playing the hex stack and on the snare drum, I don't have the snare wires on, even though it might sound like I do. So you're only hearing what the chains are doing to a 6.5 by 14 Acrylite snare. Let's check all that out first. Okay, so first question before we dig into the gear stuff is, it looked like there was a SM91 pyramid mic on the ground. Yes, um, let me is look that at right? it again. <clears throat> it is so in that in that recording, I have it's just three mics. So there's an overhead, okay, and then there is a bass drum. It's the um, D12VR that's the four inches in front of the front head, and then I have that Shure um, 91A. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, I might have got that's the name sort of it. like a, a distant bass drum slash low room mic. Okay, very cool. That's very the cool. Mix. Yeah. Um, well, it all sounded fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, that stack, that's kind of the sound, right? Yeah, it's about as, as synthetic as you can get. That's what you room. want. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could use that in in place of hand claps, for sure. If you yeah. didn't want to get into the hybrid setup, this seems like it'd be perfect to have for your hand claps. Yep. And then I can tell you just from playing other people's kits at different camps and different festivals that had stuff like this, Man, if you're in a rut right now, just buy this, yeah. and your practice will go through the roof 
because it's so much fun and you just start being really creative and way you just play things you wouldn't normally play yeah and and the best part is it's 39.99 for the seven i'm sorry what was that 39.99 33.99 for the seven inch like you said so it's 33.99 i'm assuming that's (laughs) (laughs) that can't be right yeah that's awesome so it's almost like a, a no-brainer. Just just get one. They have seven inch. They have a nine and an eleven. And there's other versions they have with some jingles and stuff. So it's and it's steel. So mine like just kind of rusted in the coolest way within a couple of weeks, just from my hand sweat and humidity and stuff. Oh, so, it changed over yeah, time. It just changes. I mean, he said said mine was maybe he's he's treating them a little bit differently they won't rust as much as mine did but i told him like i i like it i mean oh mine, of course mine is mine <laughs> you know no yeah. one can get theirs like as that. long as you've had a recent tetanus shot you should be fine <laughs> so my question is this just for anybody that's thinking about getting this do you need anything specific as far as a cymbal stand or will this just fit perfectly on a normal no, cymbal stand it just fits fine on a regular stand because you have a felt on top too yeah, I'm just sometimes using, these things take up so much room you can't even use a felt no, but i'm just using a regular wing nut to tighten it or loosen it yeah it's it's super simple um and really a lot of fun and they make you focus for me it made me focus on articulation like you can't really play sloppy with this thing which awesome is, you know, and then so it's no, a great thought well well done <laughs> just cutting each other off left and right so on the groove chain <laughs> cancel this show please oh okay. <laughs> so on the groove chain i'm done so Go. in that clip the snares were off so even though you it might have sounded like i had like loose wires on the snare that was just this groove changer which i had I think in that clip I had two layers of chains. So they they give you like several things, like three different sizes of chains and some jingles and things to mess with. I think I had the big chain kind of doubled back on itself, and then I had the small kind of beaded chain going all the way around it. Um, yeah, so you kind of have to see the video to kind of see what's happening. But essentially it's just locking these chains around the outer inch perimeter of your snare drum. Cool. And are they as affordable as the stack was? Yeah, same. So the the fourteen inch changer is is thirty nine ninety nine. I got the prices okay. mixed up. So that's a forty dollar so yeah, investment. It kind of seems like a really cool thing to to have just in your bag because I mean, obviously, it doesn't take up any room. It's just going to fold up like a chain. But maybe you use it on your snare. Maybe you put it on your floor tom or your rack tom. Yeah. Maybe you hang it from your ride somewhere. There's so much you could do with that thing. And you could, I mean, the chains you can take off, they all have like little clips. So you, you, what you're left with is just this steel ring with key hoops on it that you could attach anything to it, whatever you got. Oh, wow. You could put your car keys to it if you wanted to do that or whatever. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty neat little little accessory. Um, a songwriter friend of mine heard me play it, and she was like, yeah, you got to bring that for the recording session. So it, wow. it just has that vibe of like it's it's just different enough to make it, you know, not a snare drum, kind of vibey, kind of weird. Right. Um, you do have to Very be careful cool. not to smack it. I did bend one of the, the key hoop things <laughs> because it was right where my rim shot area is. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe don't hit Sorry rim shots that. with this thing. But <laughs> That's uh, pretty cool. I, I mean, awesome combination, too, if you want to do something somewhat industrial, to have that on a snare, have the hex stack, and then just kick in hi-hats, you'd be set. Yep. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I like I like weird kind of interesting new ways to just manipulate, you know, a, a regular kit. And it's you know like homemade stuff is cool, but I would never take it to a gig. Both of these things, I'd be like, okay, these these can go to the gig. I don't need to like have you know worry about it flying off the drum and all that. Uh, right. So it's cool. Yeah, Creative Percussion is the company. It is owned by um, drummer carpenter Kevin Feeney. So, you know, it's a small little little shop in the northeast here so they've got a bunch of cool stuff on their site check them out and then on moderndrummer.com i posted pretty extensive demos of both of these um, and with the changer i showed tons of different possibilities of how to you know set up the chains different way each type of chain so if you want to get kind of super nerdy go check those out at the website
All right. Well, let's dive into some listener questions. And I'm excited because we get to dive back into education. Yeah. So the first one we should probably, well, we want to start with that or end with that. What do you think? I say start with it. Okay. So this we, one. we need some juice, man. <laughs> I didn't have tea. You didn't have coffee. Let's go. Well, this one's from Grant. Uh, his question is about well, those two questions, but we're going to answer the first one. Um, in the solid snare drum demo that we posted a while back, I played like this cross rhythm pattern. And his question is, how did you do that? And you, can you explain what the rhythm is? So I had to go back and actually transcribe myself, which was pretty pretty wild. So, because um, I really didn't know what I was playing, but once I heard it, I'm like, oh yeah, I know I know the concept. So let's first check out the original audio. So it's in three four. I start by playing three four, you know, funk groove with sixteenth notes. Then I shift over to the sixteenth note triplets, and then I shift over to this cross rhythm. Okay, so first of all, what solid snare was that? That that's, was amazing. That's the 12, which I purchased, by the way, so you can't have it. <laughs> oh, that little biscuit. Well, that thing sounded great. The whole kit sounded awesome. So my first question is, when that thing happened, mm-hmm. when that moment came, is that something you had already worked out and you knew it by heart and you just made a decision, I'm going to shift into this? Or was it something that happened and then you had to go back because you had no idea what you did and it was just in the moment? Yeah, option B. So what that was, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Gavin. Like I studied all that like superimposing different groupings and how to create different feels and different time signatures. Like that became the concept. So now I just kind of think that way when I'm playing, especially in three. I feel like three, there's a lot of options for creating different feels. So it was literally I was just playing in three. At some point, that triplet thing just kind of came out. And I'm like, all right, well, now let me just mix it up. And I had no idea what the phrasing was. But it was something that I, that I definitely had worked on in a different context years ago. Mm. Wow. So it just kind of well, like developed. So that's that's the goal for me is that the stuff flows. And I know what I'm doing, but I don't. I didn't plan it. That's, okay. that's what I want. So, and I was telling you, when I first looked at it, the first thing I have to figure out, because we have the GrooveScribe link, the first thing I have to figure out is the pattern itself. Because if I try to look at this, it's three, four, 16th note triplets. That's giving me 18 notes. I can't keep track of 18 individual rights and lefts. So I have to mm-hmm. see, is there anything that repeats? And I realized, oh my gosh, we have a full beat of single strokes, one and a one one and a one and a. That's all right, left, right, left, right, left. And then we have a right, left, left right after that. Mm-hmm. And then, so that gives us a total of nine. And you repeat that twice. That gives us our 18. Cool. Now, before ever seeing a drum set, I can work on one and a one and a two and a one and a one and a two and a one and a one and a. And I can wait until my body memorizes that pattern. But still, that to me is a very non-musical way to do it because I'm going back and trying to learn something you already created. I'm not trying to create. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to pit, I'm trying to reverse engineer what you created. So that's like my first thought, and I can only assume that's not what you thought when you were playing this. No, I just heard this overriding cross rhythm of a dotted quarter note. Okay. So beat one, and then the pattern resolves again on the end of two. So now I'm playing sure. essentially in two over top of the three. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm oh. going to play in two over top of three. That's so funny. I see it as a that your backbeat is on the end of one and three. One and two and three and uh, one and two and three. And you see it. Ah, so I see where. So your start over point is on the end of two. Yeah. Exactly. In your mind. Ah, you biscuit. It's okay. one and a half beat long pattern. So I'm not so even that, thinking the in pattern. your mind, that's, that snare drum's in the same place both times, yep. in your mind. Where Take for me, it's on an and, it's, and it's on a downbeat. Yeah, it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Oh my goodness. Yeah, totally okay. different. Yeah. So can we, is there a way for us to drop in audio of the Groove Scribe version? Probably yeah. not. Yeah, because oh, I'll do the MIDI and I'll put it into Ableton. 
Okay, so let's take a listen to this real quick. Just on let's let's hear the robot play this. What BPM do you want to shoot for? Uh, I think let's go slow. Yeah, let's do sixty. Oh my god! Now I can't not hear it your way. I totally get it now. <laughs> I was hearing it as in, uh, eh, dun, di, ba, uh, Oh, wow. Ba, Interesting. Dun, di, uh, ka, su, ka. Yeah, that's so funny. Wow. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. Oh I'm, my glad, God. I'm glad it came across that way because that's, that's the beauty of it. This is like like uh, TV in the, in the 80s, like one to grow on. <laughs> Just one to grow on. Stay off drugs, kids. The more you know, now you know, or whatever the heck it is. Molly every day. <laughs> so uh, the other part that, that that this also relates back to Gavin Harrison is the right hand is yeah. sort of playing in four with a with a pause at the end. So it's going from ride, symbol, stacker, ride, symbol, stacker, ride, stack, ride, stack, ride, stack, ride, mm-hmm. stack. Right, stack, right, stack. And I think that that is what also sets this thing apart, and that's why it's so cool to have something like the stack we just reviewed. Yeah. They're so sharp sounding that you can really, if you're going to create a little bit of a metric modulation or a little bit of a rhythmic illusion, having something that cuts through so well really helps with that. Yeah. This would not sound the same if you were alternating your hand from ride cymbal to crash cymbal. Yeah, or if I was just like bashing on the bell. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> That's your neck shirt. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. Um, no, I totally agree. And I think the stacker really makes this whole thing come together. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because that's something that just came and went. And I would have probably never thought about it or ever did it again. Who knows? But that's a fun one. Wonderful. All right, next question. All right, so we've got, um, this is from Dan. I recently picked up a used Ludwig Club Date SE kit. Um, I love the sound, but I've, uh, okay, so blah, 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 blah. What he's, the question is essentially, he gives us the whole detail of how he's tried a bunch of different heads, a bunch of different tunings. Still not super happy with the sound of it. I'm not looking for anything super specific. I play various styles. Just want a good all-around sound with a vintage feel. Can you recommend any tuning tips or head combinations that will help? Um, I think that club that's not the US made club date. I think that's the previous incarnation that was that's made in Asia. Okay. So my guess is gonna be the bearing edges probably need to be touched up. I think if you do that, it'll tune, it'll sound exactly what you want to sound like, and it'll be beautiful. And when it comes to stuff like that, is it just as simple as going to your local drum shop and asking if they know anybody that does bearing edges? I mean, how would you go about that? Not everybody has a bearing edge guy in their Rolodex. Yeah, he's Dan, you're in the UK. I don't know what part of the UK you're in, but um, check out Rubik's Drums. Shoot them an email, and and if, if you're not near London, he can probably give you suggestions on where to go. Uh, but that's definitely the first thing I would do is is have someone take a look at the edges because tuning issues nine times out of ten means it's not a flat edge and that the head just can't balance properly. Okay, our next question is from Matt in Portland. I've been asked by a family friend to help their son find a drum set who was asked to join his school's jazz band. Um, I could use some pointers as to what I should be looking for in drums and cymbals to best suit the style. Budget is a concern. Um, yeah, so that's from Matt. So he's he's been asked to find a jazz kit for a student, um, I guess, who probably has more of a rock setup. Okay, so my first question to you is, I think we've invented this thing where the jazz kit is 18, 12, 14, but I wouldn't consider that to be a jazz kit if I was playing in jazz band in mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. 
No way, because they're going to be playing funk songs nine times out of ten. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think, 20, 12, 14, or 22 with a shallow bass drum, 12, 14? Um, my first question would be, what is the kit that the, this student already has? Because mm. I played a lot of big band gigs with my Pearl Export with Power Toms, and it was just fine. No one said, hey, those drums are inappropriate. I think it, then it becomes more about tuning and, and maybe head yeah. choice. But yeah, I think if you're going to buy a new kit, 12, 14, 20 probably would be best yeah. for jazz. Or 12, 16, 20 if you want to have something that can then be used on a rock gig. But yeah, uh, I don't think... I think cymbal, cymbal choice and drum head choice is probably more yeah. important. I agree. Um, um, if, you, if you break out your power ride... It doesn't matter if you have one of Max Roach's kits. Yeah, I think even just a, like a simple middle of the road B twenty, that'd be like a Zildjian A medium, or I mean, what's what's comparable in any other brand? Just something middle of the road medium, yeah. medium light. You don't have to get you don't have to get like eight thousand dollar custom specialty old K style things. Just medium but thinner. I think that's going to be the the key. Yeah, same with the hats as well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think tuning and maybe going single ply top and single ply texture coated top and bottom just to give it a little warmth depending mm-hmm. on the kit. So you could stick with the kit you have and just have uh, the student swap out heads or the drummer swap out heads, or you could just get a like what Mike said a twenty twelve fourteen and have that as your as your B kit. All right. Well, I'm going to we're going to move on to our picks of the week. By the way, thank you guys for sending in your questions. Please keep sending those in and especially stuff like that first question. It's always fun to break down our own stuff and then just tell you what was going on in our heads while we were thinking about it. Uh, So you're more than welcome to do that. My pick of the week before we get into Mike's is something that I think if you're starting to do a lot of videos and you're frustrated that you make videos and you put a lot of effort into your content and then you see it on someone else's computer or you bring it up on your phone and it just doesn't look right, it's probably because your monitor um, hasn't actually been color corrected. Mm. So I'm holding in my hand the Spider-X data color uh, calibrator and you hang this in front of your monitor and it goes through a whole process of calibrating your monitor so that you know that the colors you're seeing are accurate. It actually changes the colors of your monitor and what? it's running. Yeah. So it's running a program that's almost overlaying something on your monitor so that the, the colors, the brightness, the contrast you see are true and they're almost, uh, I don't even know how you would say it, but it just, it works because what was happening was I got this new computer. It's a very high end computer, very fast computer. And I would edit and I'm like, nailed it, get home and pull it up on my regular computer or watch it on my phone. I'm like, wow, it's crazy dark. Hmm. And so I got this spider X uh, monitor calibrator and yeah, it's funny. You, you hang it on the actual screen. It's touching the screen and it calibrates it. And it has a, another calibrator that um, you plug it in USB and the program will ask, uh, turn the lights on in your room that will be on when you edit videos. And then it'll oh, tell you, wow. you have too many lights in the room. You're, you're going to have to dim the lights um, or it's too dark in your room. You need to bring up the lights. So you get your room kind of calibrated and then you dial in your monitor. And then since then, everything that I've been putting out, when I see it on my phone later that day, when I go home, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what it looked like when I edited it. Awesome. So is that just like yeah. you do it once and then it, you can unplug it. You don't have to keep it plugged in. Correct. Yeah. So you don't keep it plugged in, but there is software running and you can turn that off at any time. And it's kind of funny to turn it off and see what you were seeing. And you're like, oh, my God, Uh, that's crazy. The world was neon blue and it's totally different, Um, but they're not that cheap. I mean, for what it is, uh, they're probably about two hundred dollars, maybe high one hundred, like one seventy, one eighty. But now I can go around and calibrate the monitor that's right next to me, which is Amber's computer. I can go home and do it at home. I can do it on my laptop. And mm-hmm. that way I know like, okay, wherever I'm editing, that's what it looks like. Uh, I know that unfortunately the last year of this podcast, I've been kind of pushing the video centric stuff, but it is a big part of being an artist today. You have to represent yourself. And so I know a lot of you guys are getting into video. So I want to help in any way I can. So what was, it, what was the name of it again? Just to repeat it. Sp- uh, Spider X and it's the data color uh, monitor calibrator. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah. 
check it out. I need one of those. Man, I tell you, the reason I don't create more video is I get frustrated with the video. <laughs> it's yes. like everything else is cool. It's just the video drives me nuts. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Um, you know, Maybe we can talk about it next week, but I even put out a video yesterday just showing people how many lights it takes to make it look like I don't have any lights on. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it took four yeah. lights to make it look like, oh, yeah. He's just hanging out, and it's like, so dude, in, you know how much work room, that took? When all those lights are on, is it like blindingly bright? No, not no. It's not bad at all, actually, because yeah. um, they're all in different places that are appropriate to light things up. Especially the overhead light is why everyone always asks, like, how do you keep your drum head so clean? I'm like, are you kidding? Those things are a year old. I just have a light right above them, directly uh-huh. down on them. That's, but what what people don't understand is especially if you're getting a little overweight, this is a great thing for you. When the light shines straight down onto your snare head, that snare head reflects all that light right up into your chin and fills in any <laughs> shadow that would have been there. So it's it's kind of like a, a fill light because we naturally have, as long as you have coated heads, we have this white surface right below our face. So you wow. almost get somebody to hold a bounce card right underneath you. So there's there's a lot that goes into it. We'll talk more about it in the future. i got to ask but, you one more question about it, though. Yeah, buddy. Because this is what drives me nuts. How much light do you need to get the, the camera to operate the way it needs to operate? Because in, I mean, in the past, it was more light is better. That way you can lower the ISO and all that stuff and you get right. less artifacts. But I'm at the point where I feel like I'm, I'm actually blowing my shot out and it's still too dark. Like, what, what am I doing wrong? Yeah, I, w- I would say that your shot is fine. You don't have enough light around you to to light up the other space. So what happens is it just looks like you're playing in this black void because nothing else. And that's all in the shadows. So there's like when you're adjusting the color of your image, there's blacks, whites, highlights and shadows and the shadows when you bring that up, that's going to bring up the details of your carpet and your floor and the things that are a little bit darker. And that's why I have floor lights is otherwise everything just disappears. It looks like I'm floating in this black abyss, even well, though I'm on a hardwood stage. What about so the one I would, that's on your face that keeping it from so blowing that one's, out the, the white? Yeah, it's not. It's really not that bright. Um, and so with that one, I, I usually bring down the highlights, which will make it so my face doesn't overexpose. Um, but uh, a, a lot of the stuff comes down to editing, and then it also comes down to what your camera settings are. So. When I'm shooting, if I'm shooting in log or almost like a raw profile, it's giving me all the dynamic range that allows me to adjust how bright my face is without adjusting everything else. And there's a lot of adjustments. Then Mm. if I'm shooting on just a DSLR with a stock camera profile like standard, like if if I had your, you have a 7D, right? Mm -hmm. So I would go in, I would make my own uh, color profile and I would turn the detail down i would turn the contrast to zero to negative six however low you can get the contrast however low you can get the saturation and i would record like that and that'll give you a flat profile to then edit with and then once you've created that edit from then on out you just have a a plug-in that you stick you know you have a saved preset like Mm -hmm. i'm filming at home and then you just have to maybe adjust a little bit but no i um the light is not overly bright. What what makes the light work, the key light that I have, it's called the Aperture 120D Mark II. What makes it work is the dome that's actually on that light. The dome is so massive and so far away from the light source itself that the diffusion is really soft on my face. Okay. That exact same light with a smaller dome looks super harsh and my face is totally blown out. Okay, there you go. So it's it's not even the light as much as it's the $100 attachment right. to that light, <laughs> you know. So That's so yeah, funny. those are things to to think about. We're all navigating it together right now. I mean, we see everybody's Instagram videos getting slightly better every year and everyone's caring a little bit more because they know that it's how they're presenting themselves to the world. And I just want to help in any way I can because I'm going through it too, you know. Well, we're going to uh, send this show off on a uh, psychedelic note by uh, we lost one of our titans of of rock. Ginger Baker passed away this week. Um, If you're uh, not familiar with Ginger Baker, most famously he was in the you know, the proto-rock band Cream with Eric Clapton. Um, he was known for a, a very bombastic, uh, tribal kind of style. And he had his own band that I think, if you're not a big fan of Ginger Baker, you might have never heard, called Air Force. And I think it was one of those, like, it was when rock guys started playing jazz. It was like fusion coming from the other way. Rather than jazz mm-hmm. guys playing rock, it was rock guys creating jazz bands. So this is a crazy clip. If you go on 
uh, YouTube and you look for Ginger Baker's Air Force Live 1970. It's it's psychedelic as all can be, and it's crazy. It's almost like something that Lewis Cole would put out today. I think like it's just so crazy psychedelic. Um, but the band is pretty killer. It's a loud jazz band. It's loud jazz. <laughs> so, what the hell am I seeing? Exactly. It's so out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's got quintessential ginger stuff. I mean, he's he's doing what yeah. he does. And that, I, I don't know how much we've talked about, but that was my, um, like the first two records I ever got as a kid was I got a Cream Live album that had Toad on it, which was like a 10 minute drum solo. Yeah. And I got uh, Billy Cobham's Spectrum. That was my, my dad gave me those two records and he was like, all right, if you want to play drums, you need these. Interesting. And then I, I just would spin both of those cross, like a live version of Crossroads Roads was on there and Ginger was just ripping. And that's like and not so, at all what you do now. I mean, you play right? a four piece kit. And I know. Your first it's, two it's records cr- were giant kits, played a lot of solos. Yes. <laughs> played by both people that had like, like, reckless abandon just go in yeah, go for yeah. it and yeah so it's uh but uh but yeah so i even every time i just hear ginger's name obviously when i heard that he passed i was like oh man that reminds me of my dad and the influence that he had on me just because my dad would always tell me like you know my dad was a hell's angel so he was like man i was i was there when clapton did this and i had mm-hmm. i was holding my tape recorder in the hand in my hand and wow um i don't know why i'm making it sound like my dad was from the south <laughs> Come on, Buckaroo! <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I have a, a strong feeling for this stuff. So I, I love it, and uh, we will miss Ginger Baker dearly. Uh, he was an absolute personality for yeah, sure, a character. And this is him, kind of in his prime craziness, leading his own band. You really got to watch the video because he's he's just so so fun to watch. But we're going to just drop in a little bit of Air Force Live 1970. Let's send this out. And that's it. We're done. Woo, jazz flute. Ha, ha, ha. 